everybody doing? All right. Well, I, I got to tell you, it gives me great joy to see all your beautiful smiling faces this morning. And um, I want to thank you uh, for this honor and privilege that it is to serve you here at Boulder Creek Community Church. Um, like Anita said earlier, there's those uh, get, to, get to know you cards. Um, I'd just like to also put out, if any of you at some time in the future would like to get together with me and get a cup of coffee, um, or maybe like a hamburger or something like that, you can pick. Um, I would just, I would like an opportunity to spend some time with you and get to know you better. And I want to put that invitation out there. And uh, I, <laughs> then we're going to Costco. We're getting Costco hot dogs. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I want to I, I get to know you guys, and um, I want to I do life, and I want to do ministry with you. Um, so fill that out and put on there, hey, let's get some coffee or something like that, and I'll, I'll, I'll get a hold of you. Um, would you guys join me in a moment, word of prayer? Fantastic. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, this, this day is beautiful. Thank you for this glorious day. Our hearts, they radiate joy as we proclaim the psalmist's words, this is the day the Lord created we will rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus, we adore you. We give, uh, it gives us great joy to reflect on the beauty of this place where you have us today. Boulder Creek, with its towering redwoods, clear blue skies, and warm summer air, is part of your extraordinary creation. We are grateful that this is the place where you've called us to live out our faith in you. And we thank you that this is the place where we get to be your ambassadors and point people to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be our teacher today. I pray for your inspiration, that your word would be faithfully proclaimed today in a way that will bring people, all of us, closer to you. I pray that this message today will help equip your people for works of service in your kingdom so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. I'm going to just jump right into it, all right? 2,000 years ago, our Savior Jesus, God's only begotten Son, was born by the power of the Holy Spirit to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Fully God and fully man, he lived a perfect, sinless life, during which he gathered up disciples. Now, disciples are students who followed him day in and out, and they made it their ambition to be just like him. Contrary to the custom of the day, which was to select disciples from the most learned and prominent characters, Jesus went out and he selected his disciples from the common folk, from fishermen, from construction workers, and even tax collectors. Anybody here like tax collectors? (laughs) Jesus does. Um, Together they journeyed through the land of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, proclaiming a simple yet profound message. Repent. Let's have a change of heart and have a change of mind. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, sinful mankind, try as they may, simply cannot get right with God through their own human ways and means. So you see, the heart of Jesus' ministry was reconciling, that's making the relationship right again, between God and man. And this is what I love about our faith. It's that Jesus did for mankind what they could not do for themselves. Amen? All right. When John the Baptist first saw Jesus, he proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God, who what? Takes away the sins, sins of the world. You guys know this. Jesus identified himself with the prophecy of the coming Messiah when he read from the scroll of Isaiah. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Is that good news or what? All right. Now, we know that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and prove that he was God by raising from the dead on the third day. Shortly after his resurrection and before he ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the God, up to the, at the right hand of God, the Father, Jesus appeared before his disciples and gave them their calling. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, the disciples knew their job because Jesus told them, I'm giving you my peace, my shalom, wholeness. Go carry it to the world. Right? Is that awesome? All right. Now, this is how Jesus sent his disciples. He said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of everyone. Teach them about me. Baptize them. That is, immerse them. That is, get, teach them about me and who I am and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said, don't worry, guys. I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. Now, just prior to his ascension to heaven, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my what? Witnesses. That is, testify about him. Go tell people about Jesus. And you're going to do this in, in ever-increasing circles of influence, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the focus of this message today is what it means to be one of Jesus' sent ones. Jesus sent his disciples to the unchurched people of the world to evangelize them. And that means to proclaim the good news that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that through faith in him we could be saved and have life in his name. Now, in the Bible, the sent ones were called apostles. Now, I wouldn't be a, a good seminary student if I, if I gave you a whole sermon without throwing in a couple of you know, Greek words. I've got I to prove that the money went somewhere. So the, the Greek word um, for, for apostle, it comes from the word apostello. It just means to send. He sent them out to the world. So Jesus' apostles were sent ones. I'd like to tell you a story about the sent one that carried the message about life in Jesus' name to me. Shortly after I graduated from college, up in San Francisco, I moved back to San Luis Obispo so that I could get my first post-college job. I wanted to be closer to my family. I wanted to be closer to what was comfortable and familiar with me. So I went home to mom. <laughs> uh, I, I, my folks here, Brian and Michelle, Bodie, you guys raise your hand. They came here to hear me preach my first sermon today, and I'm, I'm so grateful. I love you guys. You're, you're all right. Whew. And um, I also want to introduce you to my, my ministry mentor, Pastor John Brosma, and his wife, Cindy. Will you guys raise your hands? I just want to give proper love and respect to you guys because it is you. It is what you've done in my life that is helping me to be the man I am in Christ that I am today. So thank you. So, uh, so back to the story. So I get done with college. You know, after I got out of the military, I got myself a little bit of money to go to school. I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. So I, I'll get a business degree, whatever. I mean, I really, I put that much thought into it. 
I went up to San Francisco State. I got a business degree. And then afterwards, I was like, mm, still don't know what I want to do with myself. I'll go back down and live with my parents, and I'll get, a, I'll get a job to buy some time. That's the real story. I didn't know what I was doing, you know. So um, <laughs> I found this cool little part-time job working in a small IT company for, for a guy that liked motorcycles and airplanes. And it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. I moved into this little one-bedroom um, apartment right down the street from the train station. And um, some of my fondest memories were just sitting out on the deck just um, with the warm summer breeze, just listening to those trains come in and just rumble over there. And when I'd get bored, I'd go to, to downtown San, uh, San Luis Obispo, and I'd go to, like, Farmer's Market and Linnea's Coffee Shop and just sort, of, just sort of mill about and just take it all in and, you know, just enjoy it. And, um, man, what a great experience. But here, here's, the real, here's the real deal. At this time in my life, you know, I, was, I wasn't a Christian. I prayed mostly when I actually just needed something or when my back was up against the wall. Oh, God, you know, I don't really get you, but I'm like, I hurt right now. I, I need something, you know. Um, if you were to come up to me and say, Brian, you know, like, what's your deal? Like, are you religious? I go, I'm, I'm spiritual, you know. And, and, you know, for a long time, that's just what I was. That's, that's how, that was my relationship with God, as I like to say, as I didn't really understand him. He was the God of my not understanding, you know. Here's the cool part of the story. There was a young married couple that lived next door to me in that duplex, Darren and Jessica. Oh, man, good, pe good people, guys. The minute I met these guys, I knew something was different about them. You know, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I just remember thinking to myself, wow, these guys are genuine. These guys are healthy and joyful, considerate, and man, they're, they're consistent in a way that's almost spooky in the way that they're taking an interest in me and reaching out to get to know me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like in the world today, people have grown kind of isolated and kind of cold. So when someone just comes up to you and they radiate joy and they're taking an interest in you, it's like, oh, my goodness, what is this? I like it, you know. So, um, so I, I just fell in love with these guys. I thought they were just wonderful. Um, now, early on, I, I knew that they were Christians. I saw Bibles in their house, and I saw people coming over for Bible studies, and there was Bible study material. And, uh, you know, this might kind of, I don't know, it may sound weird coming from somebody that you just licensed to be a pastor at your church, but I loved the fact that they didn't push religion on me. You know, they, they didn't. They, it, they really wanted to be friends with me. They wanted to know who I was and what I was about. And they took time to get to know me, and it was awesome. Well, I remember this one day. I don't even remember what got me all out of sorts, but I came home, and I was just grumpy, and I was frumping along, and I was like, you know, I went past um, Darren's window of his kitchen, and he looked out, and he, he spotted it a mile away, and he goes, oh, geez. He goes, hey, Brian, you want to go get a cup of coffee? And I went, oh, all right. Well, mind you, by this time, I'd known Darren for about six months, so this request to go get coffee was just coming from somebody I considered, like, my real friend, you know. So we got, we're getting this coffee, and we're sitting in this little coffee shop, and there's a quiet moment. He looks over at me, and he goes, Brian, would you like to have a relationship with Jesus? I just smiled, and I went, oh, here we go. <laughs> I said, you know, that might work for you, but I don't, I don't really want to have anything to do with organized religion. Hmm? Pretty fancy words, huh? And he just smiled, and he was so gracious, and he just goes, oh, Brian, he goes, that's fine. It's no big deal. We're still friends. But if you ever change your mind, the door's, op 
to come talk to me. I would love to participate in helping you get to know Jesus. And I went, cool, noted. <laughs> All right. A month later, I get this job working for a defense contractor in Silicon Valley. I'm, like, I'm looking at the paycheck that I'm going to get, and I'm like, I have arrived. You know, <laughs> I'm great now. I'm going to be that guy that people like because he has money and stuff. You know, and, well, fast forward a little bit. About four years later, I, I, I got the job. I'm doing the job. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm over in Silicon Valley. But, but you guys, I, I just could not figure out why my way of living life, broken and all that fun stuff, I just couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. And I was a shell of a human being. I was depressed. I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, got the money. I didn't want anything. I really didn't. Like, I was just like, why, why does everybody want stuff? Like, I, I just, it does nothing for me. I got the prestige in the job because I climbed the ladder a little bit, and I got into a position where I'm like, hey, look at me, I'm something. And every morning when I walked past the mirror, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, I don't like you. You know? And I was depressed. I had a really, really dark place in my life. And I just remember I was driving down the road, and I was thinking to myself, wow, if this is as good as it gets, what is the point? This is horrible. And I had a bad day one day, and I was driving up on 35, and I, and I just cried out to God, God of my total misunderstanding. God, man, help. And I remember I was driving down the road, and as those words came out of my mouth, I saw as clear as day in my mind, Darren's face. And I just went, whoa, if I don't do this right now, it ain't going to happen. I pulled my car off to the side of the road, and I called him up, and I, he goes, hey, it's Darren. And uh, he answers his phone from, of all places, Bosnia, Herzegovina, where him and his wife have been living as missionaries for a couple of years, teaching, teaching English and carrying the good news within boundaries over there because you've got to be careful. But they're over there, and they're telling people about Jesus, and they're, and they're teaching them English. He answers the phone. He goes, hey, what's up? And I go, you remember what you said to me like four years ago? Can, can we have that conversation about Jesus? Hmm. Four years after Darren had planted that initial seed by telling me about Jesus, over the phone from Bosnia, he calmly and confidently led me to Christ. You know? The two main things that I hope that you will take away from this are, first and foremost, is Darren did not wait for me to come to him. He didn't wait for me to walk into a church so that he could walk up to me and immediately tell me about Jesus. He saw me, he saw a need, and he came to me. And for that, my life, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a saved Christian because he took an interest in me. Second part, what initially looked like a failed attempt to bring a man to Christ was really just a four-year process, you know? It started with him planting the seed. Life, God, circumstances, got the soil ready, poured water all over it, miracle grow, whatever you want to say, and at the right time, I was ready. Jesus said, you know, even while you were were weak, sinner, Christ died to save you. And that, that applies to me as well. So here I stand today because of what that man did, saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. I have a life verse. Life verses are fun. Does anybody here have a life verse? Yeah? 
for, for you guys that don't know what a life verse is, here it goes. Um, to me, a life verse is a short passage of scripture that I've memorized that helps me remember who I am in Christ and what my calling is in Christ. I found my life verse in the Apostle Paul's testimony of his just amazing, life-altering encounter with Jesus. Uh, I want to give you guys a little bit of context here. If you haven't met Paul yet in your Bible, let me start by saying, if there ever was the ideally most profound, encouraging gospel transformation story, it's the story of Paul's conversion. Now, Paul was known for persecuting Christians. He was, he was gnarly. He was angry. He did not like Christian people. He saw that Christian movement is threatening to the Jewish sect, Judaism. At this time, there there wasn't even Christianity. There was just people that saw Jesus Christ, and they said, yep, he's the Messiah, he's the one. And the Jewish people started to get nervous, and they're like, whoa, what's going on over here? Like, we got competition. We got to do something about this. And they reacted poorly, and they persecuted the Christians and did bad things to them. And Paul was one of these people that was out there chasing Christians around and just giving them a hard time. Jesus took this man whose heart had become so hard through a life dedicated to strict religious rule following. Hardness of heart. And he transformed Paul into a new creation. He gave him a new heart. The new version of Paul was completely dedicated to serving Jesus as one of Jesus' sent ones. In the course of living out Jesus' calling on Paul's life to be a messenger of the gospel, now get this, God's got a funny sense of humor, right? He doesn't send Paul to go preach to his own people. He sends Paul to go preach to the people he doesn't even like. Well, it didn't come easy either. I mean, this guy got banged up on his journey. He got arrested. He got beat. He got flogged. People threw rocks at him. He was shipwrecked. He had sleepless nights. He went without food, and this guy just kept coming back for more. Why? Because he was sent by Jesus. Well, where we meet Paul in this story, he's under arrest as a result of boldly carrying out his work as one of Jesus' sent ones. Now, he gets arrested, and he doesn't, it's like a catch-22. He doesn't know how to get out of it, so he goes, you know, I'm going to go talk to Caesar because I'm a Roman. And everybody goes, whoa, he just, he just invoked the go talk to Caesar rule. Well, we got to send him. <laughs> So off he goes, but on the way he's talking to a couple of key power players, and these people are looking at him, and they're like scratching their head, and they're like, what, why does everybody want to kill you? Why, like, why are you? He goes, tell us your story. Like, what, why are we even sending you on? This, is, this doesn't make sense. So that's, we're going to take a minute, and we're actually going to read our Bibles a little bit. What do you all think about that? We're going to go to Acts chapter seven, uh, 26, which is on page 792, if you've got a Bible. It's Acts chapter 26, page 792. If, if that's what that, the house Bible's here. Maybe you're lucky. It'd be like winning the lottery if, you're actually, if your Bible actually is the same page. Give you guys a minute to get settled in. All right, here we go. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you're well accustomed and acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you, listen to me patiently. This is going to be a long one, he's saying. 
Paul says, the Jewish people all know the way that I lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it's because of my hope and what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise that our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it's because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider incredible that God raises the dead? So Paul goes on, he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all things that are possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, the big dogs, uh, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I even tried to force them to blasphemy. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down to foreign cities. This guy's pretty tenacious, right? He really believes in what he's doing. His heart's really hard. He's just going after them. Now, this is so cool. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road, and I saw a bright light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me with my companions. We all fell down to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the cattle prod. I'm going to get you going in that direction. I want you to go. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I'll rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And this is the key verse we're going to focus in on, the key two verses. He says, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So that they may what? Receive forgiveness for sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow, guys, we can learn so much about what it means to be one of Jesus' sent ones just by looking at Paul's understanding of his own calling to serve. I'm going to spend you know, the remainder of this message taking a look at verses 17 and 18 and unpacking the text, just developing it so that we can understand how Paul's message relates to us here at Boulder Creek Community Church and how it relates to our calling as Christ's ambassadors here where he's put us. Let's look at 17 and 18, verses 17 and 18. Jesus says to Paul, I'm sending you to them. First thing, Jesus is the sender, and he sends us to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. There's a purpose to all this, and the purpose is salvation that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place in the family of God to be adopted sons and daughters of God. And in in being adopted as God's sons and daughters within the body of Christ, people become conformed to Christ. And that's sanctification. The word sanctified may sound a little bit weird weird to you. I remember the first time I, I heard it, I was like, sanctified. It sounds like something like you hear like a Baptist preacher like, Sanctified, you know, I get all wild about it. Um, 
It may sound a little bit weird, but it's actually very beautiful. Um, once again, a little bit of Greek for you guys. It comes from the word hagiasmo, which means to set apart, to make holy. God is holy. God is set apart. God is other than. And he's in the process of taking us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and setting us apart for his good words, works, making us other than, making us holy. It's where we get the word saint from. Now, I don't know how your guys' morning has gone so far. I used to work parking lot attendant over at uh, Westgate Church, and I would watch people come in, and they would, like, be at each other, just like kids would be, like, pulling at moms. You know, there's just a mess. It's like, like little tornadoes coming in in the cars to park, and then everybody got out, and they're like, hey, how's it going? You know? <laughs> um, you may not feel like a saint this morning, but according to the inspired word of God, you, you are. Period. I don't believe in coincidences. Let, let me tell you a little bit, a bit about what I mean there. I just, I, I did before I was a saved Christian, but now that I place my trust in, in Jesus, I, I see things connected. A couple months ago, Pastor Mike, he went down to participate in the monthly meeting of the Church Leaders Network. And during the course of the day, Pastor Mike just happened to talk to Pastor Renee down there at the church. Pastor Mike just happened to say, hey, you know, I'm looking for some help up my up at my church, so somebody to... Uh, invest time and energy and into the young adults and young marrieds and help me out with uh, some preaching and teaching duties. Well, it just happened that my wife Bree and I had been serving at Twin Lakes Church on a volunteer basis in a variety of different ministries. You know? we, uh, we, we we worked for a couple of years as young adult um, ministry mentors. Uh, you could find us door greeters every month for a couple of years. We started a Bible study down there called the Hands-On Bible Study, and we had about 10 people that showed up consistently for about a year and a half. And uh, had a lot of people, a lot lot of good stuff going on there, a lot of good interaction. And uh, the people at the church really got to know us, and we really got to know them. And uh, they knew what I was up to. They knew what I was doing. They knew knew my heart for service, you know. so when Renee went back to TLC and reached out to the staff to see if they knew anyone who might be interested in coming up here to serve as, as an associate pastor, um, a lot of people were like, well, let's ask Brian, you know, see if he wants to go up there. And my, uh, my ministry mentor and uh, immediate supervisor, an amazing man, Pastor Adam Nye, just pulled me aside and he goes, Brian, dude, this is so you. You should go do that. And I smiled and I went, <laughs> yeah, woo. <laughs> I'm not feeling so spiritual right now, am I? Well, uh, honestly, I, I got scared. You know, here's why. Um, it, it just, I was so comfortable down there at that church and, and, and just loved those people. And just, I could walk into any room, any venue, anywhere. And I was just surrounded by people that knew me and I knew them. And I was like, I love you guys. This is great. Even the ones that annoy me, I love you. You know? And, um, Coming up here just represented the great unknown to me, stepping out of my comfort zone, just not knowing what I didn't even know. <laughs> you know, you remember when you were a kid, you know, you look, oh, lights go out, and, oh, mom, there's a monster under the bed. I just know it. I just know it. There's something there. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I had one of those moments. I think we all have those moments. Well, I prayed about it. The lights came on. The fear went away. And I went back to, to, you know, I went back to some of the guys of the church, and I, I 
told them about it, and they just laughed and kind of said, you know, how human of you. <laughs> and um, Pastor Rene, he, he pulled me into his office, and he said, Brian, um, I think this is a good opportunity for you to use what God has given you, that which makes you uniquely who you are, to serve those people in Boulder Creek at that church and in the surrounding area, to the people up there that don't know Jesus. Yeah. And it was that conversation that spoke to my heart in words that go something like this. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Well, how does this all apply to us? Jesus told us, the Apostle Paul, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes. To open their eyes to the reality that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. When we go out that door today, we're going to run into people that don't know Christ and we're... Who knows? He might use you to open their eyes. You know, He's sending us out there to turn them from darkness, a dark way of life, sin, to the power of God. We get the opportunity to help the lost turn from a way of life that leads to spiritual death so that they may turn to God who is the source of all life. And you know, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate point of all this is, is so that they can re- receive forgiveness for their sins. There's power in the word of God when you tell somebody about Jesus and they believe. Our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You've got to remember, we can't earn salvation. All we're called to do is trust in Jesus who loved us and gave his life for us. And ultimately, he's calling us to go out there and invite people into the family of God. You know? So, so they can be recreated in the image of God through faith in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you think about Boulder Creek and the surrounding areas, do you see the, the brokenness that Jesus sees? Does it, does, it, does it get under your skin? Does it break your heart like it does Jesus? I'll be honest. Some days it does for me, and some days my heart gets a little hard again, and it gets cold, and I, and I, and I put up a wall. So I don't want you to think I'm walking around every day just like think on fire for saving people. This is a process. You know, this is important to be honest about that. It's a process of growth and development in each one of us that our hearts would be woken up and that we would take a genuine interest in other people. Now, oftentimes we get it in our heads that we need to do something extravagant to be missionaries, you know. Got to go somewhere far away. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's a high demand for that, for people to go and, and proclaim the word transnational, transcultural. But there's great opportunities right here, too. Not. <laughs> This is fun, too. I know there's a variety of different... I love... A little thing about me, I love evangelists. I like reading about them. I like watching their sermons. There's a guy over um, in Silicon Valley, a young kid named um, Tim... Um, I'm blowing on his name right now. I forget right now. It's not important. But I, he's absolutely awesome. They're on fire for Jesus, and they can just like walk up to people and just like almost sneeze. I choose Jesus! And people are like, hey, man, I want, I want to know Christ. <laughs> well... Uh, I don't, I'm convinced that you know that's that's not the that's not the norm. Um, I think that building relationships is key to effectively sharing the gospel with those that don't know Jesus. Let me ask you a question: Can you see yourself in that role, building relationships with people for the purpose of them getting to know Christ? Can you see yourself building relationships with people that do not know Jesus? 
Has God placed someone in close proximity to you, a friend or a coworker, a neighbor, or perhaps even like a homeless person you see shuffling around downtown that you're like, whoa, I'm not ever going to talk to that guy because he scares me. Have you ever stopped to imagine what it might look like if God used you to go to them to communicate God's love and God's grace? You know, to someone not unlike the Apostle Paul, a nasty, cold-hearted man who persecuted Christians because he was suffering from spiritual blindness, to open their eyes to the reality that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Or just like my neighbor Darren, how he took the time and the energy and stepped out of his comfort zone to get to know me. And then when the time was right, he had the courage to tell me about Jesus. What would it look like in your life right here where God has you today if you open yourself to be used by him to be sent, a sent one, into somebody's life? I know some of you guys are already doing this. I hope that, like, if you are, if you're actively engaged in this, this, this may sound like a little chiding. But I, I think this is just a message that we need to hear over and over again. We need to, it's like we need to have our, our mind and our heart renewed through the word of Scripture over and over again. Because I forget. And I'll walk out of here and I'll get caught up in my own business and the pursuit of my own goals and stuff. And I'll forget that there's just millions of people all around me that don't know Jesus. And I'm like, get out of my way. <laughs> and we get an opportunity to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place in the family of God being renewed in the image of Christ, Christ through faith in Jesus. Now, I imagine if Jesus were here today, he'd look out at the population of Boulder Creek and he'd probably he'd think the same thing he thought when he was here on earth 2,000 years ago. Let me refresh your memory. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, all of us, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest in prayer. I'm going to add it in prayer. Therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, the harvest field is plentiful here in Boulder Creek area. I mean, like, how many, how many pot, pot shops and, like, you know, bars and just, like, all, all kinds of stuff that's just, it's just going to hurt people. It's going to make them miserable, you know? People are suffering from the effects of sin on their lives all around us. Will you join me in praying that Jesus will send us out into the lives of the lost in this area where he has us so that they can know Jesus and have life in his name? Well, I want to throw in a little little cultural reference here. Do any of you guys remember the movie Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner? Yeah. <laughs> you remember the catchphrase? What is it? Shout it out. <laughs> oh, you guys are great. If you build it, they will come. You know, can you see where I'm going with this? In our day and age, especially in this area, this principle does not appear to translate over to spontaneous church attendance. If we want to encourage people to attend church, it's my, my firm belief that we're going to have to take a genuine interest in them and meet them where they are at. Remember, Jesus said to Paul, I'm sending you to them. One of the common misconceptions about outreach is that it's got to be done by, you know, just like a few people in the church that are gifted, you know? They're like the cool guys, like the pastors and the Bible whizzes and stuff like that. You know, they got it covered, man. They know how to do it. Nothing could be further from the truth, all right? You don't have to be any of those to spend time with someone that doesn't know Christ. It's simple. Just relax 
and be yourself. People respond well to genuine care and concern. If you find the experience awkward and scary, because it can be, and sometimes it just is, you know, here's, here's a verse that's, that's helped me to kind of get through that. It's Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 16. The Apostle Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. So, you know, I'll be talking to somebody, and I'll have an opportunity to tell them about Jesus, and I'll start to feel awkward, and I'll be like, no, no, like, it's salvation. I'm, it's for you, too. And if you believe, man, you're in. We have an opportunity to present another human being with the truth about God's grace in Christ Jesus. That will open their eyes. I'm going to go through it one more time. Repetition leads to learning. All right? I'm going to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness for sins and a place among those who are being sanctified through faith in Christ. Would you please pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful that you have opened our eyes to the reality that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that we get to have life in his name. Jesus, teach us to be like you. Holy Spirit, empower this congregation to be Jesus Christ's witnesses here in this area as they seek to form intentional relationships with those that do not yet know you so that they can relate the gospel in a way that will continue to set people free from sin and give them life in your name. I want to pray for the people in our community that do not know Jesus. I pray that you will send them your workers from here at Boulder Creek Community Church. Lord, help us not to wait for people just to show up on their own. Help us to know in our hearts that we are sent ones and that you are sending us to them. I pray a blessing over this church community and ask for your care and protection. Um, I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was the uh, best sermon Brian's ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, we, uh, as your church family, uh, authorize you to preach the gospel, to teach, to do the work of ministry, and we've given you this license. Kind of cool. When you go by, he'll be back there. You can look at it and touch it and get fingerprints on it.